Hello everyone and welcome to another Onlitica LinkedIn Live. Uh, today uh, we have two members of the Onlitica experts community and we're going to be talking about how to create a killer social strategy. So it's been a few weeks that we haven't done this. We've had a, all had a nice break uh, over August and um, I'm really excited to be joined by um, Katie Howell, um, uh, CEO and founder of uh, Immediate Future B2B social agency. and and uh, Katie founded this agency at the time when Facebook was still a college, a, a college program or app, or it probably wasn't a called an app, you know, back then, sort of 18 years ago. Um, so it's got a wealth of experience there. And, and Nada Alkutbi, a geo social media lead for IBM, has been working for IBM's social media team for the last 10 years. So I think it's fair to say we've got a ton of experience um, in teams. So really looking forward to this conversation. So uh, a very warm welcome to you, Katie. And Nada. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, and I wanted to kick off by asking both of you what you're most passionate about um, in social media. So maybe Nada, I could start with you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I always learn a lot from these discussions. Um, so I'm, I'm passionate about all things social media, but I think if I had to choose um, kind of specific areas, I would say influencer marketing and in particular employee advocacy. Um, so I, I, I'm really passionate and kind of um, find it really rewarding when I'm coaching IBMers and supporting our SMEs and execs and helping them build their personal brand and build their personal eminence and kind of seeing the results there that they're driving, um, but also then comparing those results um, to our own social performance um, and content. Amazing. Uh, influence marketing employee, obviously, were two topics very close to all of our hearts. Um, how about you, Katie? I mean, social media is so all-encompassing. You've you've been there, seen all the kind of evolution. Um, what, what do you get most of a kick out of in social media? And what are you most passionate about? Um, so without without sounding trite, I think the most the most um, satisfying part of my job is when social media delivers business value because it usually means at that point your strategy is aligned to your execution which means that it's actually moving in the right direction and I think um, if you add to that my slight insanity around wanting to look at insights and data and work out what's working and what isn't working in a world where we work in a media environment that is constantly changing I think that bit when you get when you get to the point where there's business impact, it's just incredibly rewarding. Yeah, and I, I suppose what everyone you know, used to say about social media, or maybe still does, is that you know, what's the ROI of social media? It used to be the question on everyone's lips, I think 2005 to 2008. Now people are understanding it's, in, it's intrinsic, but often people are still under so much pressure to, to prove the business results. So, you know, I guess if you got that, um, you know, full 360 social media strategy, which is delivering on business outcomes. Yeah, that I mean, that's what we want all want to uh, to achieve, and and hopefully we'll we'll start unpicking how we can do that on this uh, on this LinkedIn Live. Um, I should say, please um, ask any questions in the comments. Um, please ask your most difficult questions. These are two um, of the very best who will be able to you know we can keep them on their toes um, here. So please do um, tell us where you're tuning in from and ask any comments. Um, that I'll put to uh, Katie and Nada. So um, what I'm really interested in, in asking, just to kind of set the scene a bit, is um, how you think social media has evolved, especially over the past five years. Let, let, let's not just talk about the pandemic, but 
how do you think NADA, you know, when you look at IBM, how, how do you think the role of social media has changed you know, since yeah. around about 2017? Yeah, I think I think it has evolved uh, massively and, and changed. And to your point, yeah, due to the pandemic or accelerated because of the pandemic of the last couple of years, when everything turned exclusively digital and social. But also, I just think, you know, the growth has just been huge. And I think we, the way we're using socials isn't just about kind of communicating um, with people and building relationships and staying in touch, you know, we use social, you know, to, to find out the latest news, to um, learn about new brands, products, solutions, you know, to be entertained. Um, and so we're spending a lot of time, a lot more time on social media than we did before. Um, I think on TikTok, I read um, uh, an average people aged 10 to 25 spend about five and a half hours a day just on TikTok. But I know on average across the board, it's two and a half hours. So we're spending a lot of time on, on social. It's evolved. I think for me as well, when I started working in social, um, things have changed a lot. So I, I started the social role alongside doing digital. And so it's a it was a little bit of a kind of nice to have, a bit of an add-on. We didn't really have an established Kind of team or um, established process and discipline in place like we do now um, and I think people's behaviors changed um, towards social what, what social is used for um, why we use social how we use social um, and the role of social in the organization um, and and I think because we've also now have an established process and and, and teams and, and budget has increased and the resources have increased as well I think the value has has changed and we are seeing kind of you know stronger results from social as well um, and we're much more accountable um, to to drive stronger results from social as well so it's evolved massively over the last couple of years yeah and i can uh, it's great to hear about the establishment of resources and and budget because obviously people <laughs> expect such wonderful results then you can't get that with with a skeleton team which always has been a challenge in social how how do you see this katie how has it evolved you've obviously work with brands that are that are doing it really well you're working with brands that you're really at the start of the journey or maybe don't get it as much um how, how do you see the um how social media has evolved in b2b Oh, it's a super interesting. When we started 20 years ago, uh, we started with B2B brands. We do consumer as well, but half our half our, our clients are B2B. But when we started, we worked with just B2B brands and it was all about message boards and relationships. It's kind of the place where IBM and Microsoft first started with that support and, and peer support group type communities and what i'm seeing now is kind of a gentle push back to the building of communities i would say in a, in a slightly different element it's, it's a good thing because five years ago really the focus was wholly on social media just being about performance and snaffling those low hanging leads for want of a better word and 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 actually what we've discovered or what clients have begun to discover, brands have begun to discover, um, is that it's it's about a number of things, kind of in the holistic way you talked about, which is it's everything from uh, building better customer relationships, establishing trust or credibility, building your brand, building memorability, as well as, of course, driving through to lead. And I think that combination is really where we're getting to where the value is, which is a number of elements that play into not just 
performance on social, but driving up performance in email and driving up performance in search too through the social channels. But I would I would add that people are still very much in our experience on a real spectrum of a journey. So some people we speak to are still tick boxing their way if you you know ticking the boxes i'm on linkedin i'm on twitter tick boxing their way through through social and others are beginning to get to that point where they the leadership team is getting engaged with this as an opportunity to get in front of customers but it's it's a spectrum yeah i i love i love both of your answers there i mean it's come such a long way just in the past five years and definitely the last 20 years i mean it's nice and day isn't it um so since it's so all-encompassing, since it, you know, we talk, I mean, Nala, really interesting facts. I mean, I was going to quote, Insider Intelligence said that uh, on average, people are spending 95 minutes um, on social media a day or adults. Um, you quoted 10 to 25 year um, years old, I think five and a half hours and then two and a half hours. So whichever stat it is, you know, yeah. if you're looking at B2B, anyone from like 20 upwards, then it's going to be a couple of hours at least. And what we all know is that people are educating themselves on social as well as all of the other stuff that we talked about. So it's so all encompassing that how do you give advice to people when they're building a social media strategy? What do you think are the, are the main components to try and bring it down to some kind of simple mm -hmm. framework? Yeah, okay. so great question. Um, so for me, first, I think the most important thing is kind of setting your objectives and your mission. So kind of agreeing what your mission statement is. So what do you want social to do for your organization or brand? Um, and that statement and that vision needs to be developed kind of in partnership with all the key stakeholders and, and key disciplines. So for us, that's comms and marketing coming together to agree on that mission statement. And then I think once you've achieved, once you've kind of agreed on what that mission statement is and the role that social media plays, you can then start to kind of carry out some social listening and analysis to really understand where your audiences are, kind of where, where they're hanging out, where they expect to engage with you on in terms of social media channels. Um, and then you could start to look at your own internal kind of performance and data um, and channel and channel mix. So other channels that you're currently on the most relevant channels to be on you know and that that could mean that review could then end up having you know where, where you'd you'd be in a situation where you'd close accounts and move away from certain channels or it might mean that you'd explore opening up and creating new platforms um to, to be on um and so those those are the kind of the, the main pillars um, that I would say are important to start with, but then also kind of just agreeing how you then achieve your mission statement with the uh, resources and the budget that you have um, and the channel mix that you've kind of agreed on. But also measurement is really key as well. So kind of setting your KPIs in terms of how you will get there and making sure that, you know, you're, you're tagging everything as well so that you're able to show success um, on the back of it. Um, and then finally, throughout all of this, making sure that you regularly review your strategy and your mission statement. Um, you can iterate as well, because I think some some of the things that have worked historically might not continue to work well for you. So it's just important that we continue to improve and iterate um, and kind of yeah improve on, on the work that we're doing and the strategy. Yeah, and I think, um, Katie, I mean, Nada's hit a lot of the main points there. I was just thinking, my mind flashed back to 
when you're in a sort of a vendor agency conversation, when you know you could sell a client a microsite for 20 grand or 25 grand, but it was the wrong strategy. I think that was maybe sort of 10 years ago. And like there was just, you know, agency chat in the industry about that. And, you know, how do you come in and I mean, how do you come in as an agency leader and audit someone's social strategy and try to help them out, like beyond what Nada said? I mean, you know, it, it's obviously that you, you'll meet some brands that have got most of it right, some which are starting from the very beginning, some which have got it wrong. You need to unpick it. Like, what 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 do you look for when you're assessing people's oh, they, oh, That's a, a fabulous question because I think certainly at Media Vision, we're a bit bullish if we see you know, what we consider to be behavior that's likely to lead to failure, we'll say so, uh, partly because we've got grown-up experts here, so we kind of don't mind saying it in a polite way. But actually, it's a really interesting point because I agree with everything Nada said. But I suspect we come at it from a slightly different view, given that I'm probably more on the marketing and advertising side. And that is that we start with audiences. We use tools like Global Web Index and Brandwatch to define social behaviors. I'll give you an example. Last week, I was uh, running a workshop for a tech brand where we're showing them that their specific tech buying audience is actually playing on Facebook. And this morning, Facebook facebook and instagram and they were like oh, not linkedin and and i i said well you know that's just where they're spending the most amount of time consuming this media yes they're on linkedin but they're not there every day and um so we look at audiences because i mean this morning uh facebook came out with some news that you can now select audiences by buying habits uh b2b buying habits and just showing that globally there are 2.6 billion people in b2b buying modes on the meta channels so it's about starting with your audience and then what we do is we take that mission statement that nadia talked about and, and flip it into where the audiences are so that we can define where the opportunities are in social because social is not the answer to everything as much as i'd like it to be it's, it's not this wonderful silver bullet so we then flip that back in and go here are the opportunities here are the things we can do fast here are the things that are going to take time and then we develop a channel strategy because it's all very well and good saying your audience is going to be on Facebook. But the strategy that sits behind it might be very different from that on LinkedIn. So their behaviors, audience behaviors will be different per channel. You know, you just probably think of two extremes, LinkedIn and TikTok. You can see the differences. So a channel strategy. But there's one really crucial part from our perspective, which is going back to audiences and our or brand's knowledge of their customers to get into why why it matters to that audience me member what matters to them what is going to give what is going to be relevant to them and why does your product or service matter to them when does it matter to them how does it matter to them what place will they be in what's their pain point or what's the scenario that they'll be in when they're triggered to think about buying your services or products. And that really matters because you have so little time to grab attention on social media that your strategy has to hang on the hooks that will get the attention first. Then you can throw in the messaging so you can get the message heartbeat for memorability and frequency in. And then you're able to 
build out your bold content that's going to get attention. But if you don't do that process, you're in danger of being irrelevant or you're in danger of not resonating because this isn't how your customer is buying. Or more importantly, you, you show a lack of understanding. You're kind of broken in the middle. And I feel that sometimes when it comes to social media, we have a habit of kind of rushing to the format and the creative end really quickly without doing these steps first. And when, whenever I've seen this done, it just, it's, a, it's much, much more risky and much, much more challenging to deliver success. And I, I imagine it's not what everyone stops to do unless they're pushed by someone outside the organization or maybe someone, you know, who, who wants some change internally. But I think we all know that you can get, you know, when we're working in organizations, it's quite hard to change things unless someone from the outside in says, hey, let, let's, let's, let's look at everything that's going on. Um, yeah, so um, so we talked a lot about the components. I think both of you agree with, you know, sort of 90, 95, 99% of what each other is saying and saying the same things, which is great to hear. Um, so Nada, apart from IBM, who are obviously doing an amazing job all the time, in every single business unit and region. And um, what what brands do you look to uh, IBM for people that are, are doing well and sort of social media strategies that people might say, oh, go and check them out. Like, I think they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I think if I had to choose an, another B2B brand that I, I personally think are doing a great job in social, um, I, I would say Slack, um, and for a number of reasons. So Slack are really great at CX. So they really, kind of invest time in making sure that they respond to people's queries, comments, DMs, um, and in a kind of really informal, conversational human way. So I really like that about kind of their CX. Um, but then they also um, really try different formats in terms of content. So on LinkedIn, um, they really experiment with not just always sticking with like highly polished creatives and, and videos or you know, assets that they're creating. And it's, they really use a mix of like engagement type posts. So they have polls that they run, they've got text only posts as well. And we know that LinkedIn- Text only, shocking. Like who would yeah, do that? Yeah, no, exactly. And so, um, and LinkedIn have said themselves that um, they don't favor a particular format. So as long as the content resonates with the audiences and it gets comments, shares, likes, and and engagements, um, it doesn't really matter. And it could just be a text-only post um, that they, you know, boost up if they thought it, it was going to resonate with with audiences. And so they clearly know that. And so it's really interesting to see them experiment with different formats and different types. And again, it depends on like the objective of their campaign. Not everything is register or sign up to this webinar or click here to visit our landing pages. And as a user as well, I do find it useful. They do share some really useful tips um, that I can take away. Um, and I just feel like they understand their audiences as well. So even though their customers might not be the kind of day-to-day um, -day users, um, but they know how to, to really get to know their business customers um, through their end users. Um, and so, so I feel like they really have a good grasp on understanding their audiences. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, what What do you think, Katie? What What brands do you, do you look I, there's at? There's one in particular I just thought I'd mention because we're getting a lot of conversation about the ESG element or the CSR, as it was called, that bit where more and more B2B brands want to talk about their support of sustainability, the environment, etc. Um, 
but actually there's a brand out there that's doing an absolutely amazing job and it's it's Novartis um, and they are a pharmaceutical uh, a medicine technology medtech brand but have a look at their Instagram profile um, which is just it's just fantastic because what they've done is found that place between what they do which is you know produce medicines and and therapies to help people and and the end patient but the bit in between is this element of talking about the challenges like they've got elements on there of uh people talking about going back to work having recovered from cancer or still with cancer um how they get involved in the next wave of antivirals etc but it's all done in a really clever way and their dni on their site is second to none and you don't often see this you know the diversity that is threaded through what is actually quite a very traditional approach brand pharmaceuticals medical tends to have a very traditional focus but it is really worth having a look at because this is a b2b brand doing the sustainability the 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 right thing that the business for good really well i think that's an amazing example because pharmacovigilance and all that kind of regulation around pharmaceutical companies, they would probably be the last type of brands you would expect to do something a bit more forward thinking, which is, I guess, I guess the reason why you picked it. But I've worked with some pharmaceutical brands where they can't do anything online or social media. They're, they're, they're really scared of anyone mentioning anything. Otherwise, they need to write all these adverse events and it takes someone, you know, thousands of hours to actually document what's been said. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a real it's a real problem that they're afraid of. So it's really cool to see them uh, emerging like that. And Nada, I love what you said about customer experience because that's obviously at the heart of social. And, yeah. uh, and you know, I, I actually was part of, uh, there was some Ipsos research that came out the other day and I was at Henley Business School um, listening to it. And they were talking about the sense of belonging that customers have and how social can really drive that and how that really is a key component of a, of a social media strategy. So I thought that was a really cool uh, angle on that as well. Um, Nada, with, with IBM, there's obviously so many different regions and business units, and there's obviously a global social media central team, but you've got hundreds of thousands of people that work for IBM. When you talk about KPIs and defining success, how do you do that in a way that you can attribute it to what you're doing and also yeah. be consistent with the rest of the business or or don't you have to be it, it would be great to understand how um, bless you katie um, <laughs> um how you come up with a strategy when you're obviously you're just a small part of a much bigger ship yeah absolutely um so i i really i feel like with measurement and setting kpis like it, re it really depends on the objective of the campaign so obviously we'll work on different campaigns and some campaigns might the objective might be to raise awareness and it might be more about market relevance. Um, in other campaigns, it might be to drive traffic to our landing pages or or even to drive like cl client registrations um, for our events. And so I think it you know, really depends that the measurement and the KPIs are set based on the objective of the campaign and, and the purpose of the campaign. Um, but I think what we what we usually say in IBM is the role of social and everything we do helps you build the brand and grow the business. And so building the brand that's looking at 
like upper funnel metrics and KPIs, like on platform engagements, for example, which is a good indication that your content is resonating with your audiences. Um, and then growing the business is sort of lower funnel, and that's looking at traffic, you know, engaged traffic to your landing pages or engagement rate on the page, or even regist registrations, responses, opportunities from social. So it's more kind of convergent. Um, so those are the kind of main KPIs that we'd look at, but it really depends on the purpose of the campaign and kind of the specific goal that you're you're trying to to achieve there to so, you know, so, the KPIs. So, yeah, and that makes sense. So it's much more campaign focused rather than overall brand because you just can't measure that overall brand and the attribution is different so it's much more specific to how many campaigns you're doing rather than over a quarter is it i think i think what's important is to have to measure those those kpis and then to compare your improvement so whether that's month on month or quarter on quarter or it could be year on year so i think it's it's because if you just if you kind of if, if i just present a number or a kpi you know, the first question I'd get from my leadership team would be like, how does, is that good or bad? Does that compare, how does that compare to the US Open campaign from last year, for example? Um, and so I think it's, it, we've got to compare it to a benchmark, whether it's kind of comparing it to how our content performed last year and showing that we've had an in incremental improvement year on year, um, or whether there's an average that we'd look at across our geos, um, across the markets. So there's different ways to kind of look at benchmark benchmarks. Um, I think there are we are looking at ways to to try and get one KPI that can say we've increased you know market relevance, um, which can be difficult to to achieve. But I think um, yeah, I know I know the analytics team have spent some time this year looking looking at that. Great, and and you know it, it's often such a hard question to answer. I mean, Katie, when there's someone who's not a social media you know practitioner that is looking for value. And you're and you're building social media engagement. Like how how do you talk to really senior execs to talk about the value of social when you know it might be a longer game and there's not you know two thousand leads for example to be to be talked about as part of a campaign. I think it's it. What we do is show them a framework, which helps them see how everything progresses from one to the next. We call it our vanity to sanity framework, but it actually is a, a master metrics. Um, kind of framework that starts with the metrics that help understand how your content is performing, like engagement, but also then the content that's showing action, such as driving traffic to a website or sign up to a webinar, through to the bits that make a difference, whether that's revenue, reputation, brand, memorability. And we're working with one client, for instance, who is looking at brand memorability, you know, in the old fashioned, those of us who have been in marketing a long time, brand equity, or brand recall, those things, which matter just as much. Um, because, because right now, for many B2B brands, people are not in purchase mode this second, you need to, they need to remember your brand when they're in purchase mode and that that element is the bit that's really important through social is it the frequency you can use social allows you to keep reminding people and if you get your marketing and advertising correct what you'll do is you'll begin to associate buying conditions and your frequency with it now 
when I have conversations with senior leaders, I will talk about how they can set up attribution modeling, how that they can look at correlations to show the delivery of results. And, and a bit like NADA, we often have to do a couple of proof of concept campaigns to show where the learning, once we show that we can move things forward, then, then it releases more energy from the, t the, the leadership teams into doing this. But it is a challenge. I mean, we have taken some of our clients on journeys, one of which is, for instance, extending into eight years now, where we're slowly getting that leadership team bought into the idea that this is a short and a long-term uh, play. Yeah, I think it's been always the challenge, isn't it? I mean, you, you hear about social media professionals being one person in the room of lots of people who are not on social media and just um, needing a drink afterwards, quite frankly, um, you know, just knowing that you're speaking to a brick wall. Um, yeah, times have changed now, which is amazing to, uh, amazing to actually see. Um, we talked a bit earlier on about how to kind of stop the scroll, you know, with with all the content around there and for people to be able to pause and uh, and to read the content do you i know stephen hunton talks a lot about this um Yonada at ibm do you have some kind of um rules of thumb or, or like um principles of like is the content good enough just before you push it out yeah no absolutely i think it's really important and we do we do talk about it and i think for me like a content framework is made up of audience um platform and purpose and, and and we talked about purpose quite a lot on on this in this session already but um yeah and Stephen talks about this all the time in social everything has got to be kind of audience uh, social first audience led um and tailored to the platform um but you know having said that i think it, it is really difficult to create content that is thumb stopping and you know that that kind of grabs people's attention in in less than in half a second um so it is really difficult um and i think also from an organic perspective kind of staying on top of the algorithms across the various platforms is really difficult as well in terms of like what content to create and what resonates and um what content gets you know prioritized and pushed up by the platforms um but i think for me you know, the, the, yeah, the most important thing is to experiment and to try different formats um, to, to obviously look at kind of all our creators and content before it goes out um, and, and not just the copy by itself, but the image and, you know, the, the full posts um, and to make sure kind of it goes, it, it all makes sense and that journey makes sense. And, and to also have like two pair of eyes review the content before it goes out as well, just in case there, there are any mistakes or you know, there are nuances in each market and country. So just making sure that the content, you know, is grammatically correct and everything else. So it is difficult to produce content that, you know, is thumb stopping. Um, but I think it's important to experiment and pilot and to kind of innovate. And that's the great thing about social is that we have the opportunity to do that and then look at the data and see what's resonated and what hasn't with our audiences. Um, but I also know like video content continues to be and popular and kind of in short form, like Instagram um, reels and TikTok videos and even YouTube shorts uh, are, are really popular at the moment. So um, it's a good way to grab someone's attention as well as the kind of the content keeps them changing and, and moving. Great. Um, thanks, Nod. I think that's some really good, really good advice. Um, I wanted to pick up on a, a, a few questions that the audience have asked. I mean, there's uh, um, Armand talking about: Is it about Web Web three, Web three point um, 
there's what are your thoughts on virtual influences and social media? Maybe Nadi, you could pick up on that a bit later. Um, and Katie, what about um, this last question? I don't know who the name is because it just says LinkedIn user on my um, my StreamYard, but it says, what would you say is the best approach now to market a service? Do you have any advice on that, Katie? I think it's going it's going back to what what are the triggers for purchase? If you know what the scenarios are, that's it's it's much better to start there with your creativity. Do exactly what Nada says, which is test and learn. Absolutely, have a channel strategy. But I would say that service is no different from product. We we are in a terrible. We've learned some of these things where we kind of just talk about the features and the benefits, and and that's all we we kind of go out with this same stuff. And one of the elements that particularly matter if you're high end or selling something complex or difficult or challenging or something that hits multiple departments is we we often find that one of the the the, the patterns that happen in social media is to think about what are the triggers that are going to get attention exactly as Nada says, but then what's the nudge nurture that is going to take someone on that journey? Because one of the biggest challenges B2B faces is that it, it tries to cram everything into one post. Here's one post. This is a webinar. We're going to all go to this webinar. And that that's the post. And the thing is that isn't how we work does not matter how any advertising has ever worked. We want to build out that story, those elements of that, taking different elements and parts of that. So we take the user on a journey. We call it sequential storytelling or the story arc. It doesn't matter what fun name you give it. The reality is what you're doing is approaching the problem that your customer faces, whether it's a service or a product, from many different angles because the decision to buy that service takes potentially longer or more stakeholders. So the more angles you can come in that make, give you the opportunity to resonate, the better it is. Amazing. And everything in the immediate future is alliteration or rhyming. I can, oh, I'm I can so tell. sorry. All of you. It's been a long time. I, I, it's great. It's great. I just, uh, I, I imagine you've got a wall full of this alliteration and uh, and rhyming like vanity to sanity and, sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, and everything. No, I, I think it's great because because people people retain all of this. Um, that Nadi, you spoke about employee advocacy and influence marketing. Uh, mm. You're obviously, there are key components of social media strategy now in B two B. What what do you think those programs give your social strategy that you wouldn't have without them? Yeah, so I think influencer marketing and employee advocacy, you know, is um, is a huge part of kind of our overall social strategy, and it should be for, for any brand and any organisation. Um, and I think the value that we get is that influencers and, and through working with our advocates, we're able to reach a wider audience that perhaps we wouldn't be able to reach ourselves through our branded accounts and, and channels. Um, and so we've seen some, we've got some really good examples where we've um, we've seen kind of better results really driven through the work that we're doing, co-creating content with external influencers and also our kind of execs and employee advocates um, for, for some of our, you know, big, biggest signature moments like Wimbledon and, and Think, um, our signature event of the year. Um, so the, the, the value is there. They, they help us reach audiences we can't reach ourselves. It can be a cost-effective way of also creating content because um, a lot of times we're, partnering with with content creators um and um you know that they they're creating authentic content 
um, that really resonates with with kind of audiences and people that we're trying to to reach. So for me, it's like the reach is obviously added benefit, but then it's the content creation and the thought leadership, um, which which we get and we've seen some really strong results from our employer advocacy and external influence campaigns. Great. And you know, I, I think what a lot of people don't appreciate is what you talked about, the cost effective nature and the scale, because social media teams are not, you know, people don't have 50 people in the team you know they tend to be quite small teams uh, in the respective regions and companies don't they and so enabling content creation at scale is yeah. uh, is one which I really liked uh, really like that you picked up on that um, I know that we haven't got too much time left I really wanted to talk a, a bit about how you resource your social media team I know Anita Vaselli talks a lot about this at Ericsson about uh, Danielle Grism about investment into the social media team now that it's so intrinsic and social is is so on demand internally within brands as well as um, you know as well as the key channel for uh, communicating um, content externally so Katie what do you think what do you think are the key skills um, that that people need in-house within teams. And obviously they can't have everything. So there's obviously places for agencies, your light immediate future. So what, what, how do you think um, social media teams should be sort of skilled up and resourced um, in 2022? I mean, I think it, it's really interesting because it really varies. You know, for some of our, some of the brands we work with, they, they have one head of social who coordinates everything via agencies or internally. Others have are using a part of another team. So if they've got a design or studio or creative team, they're using some of that. Others, they divide it up between uh, PR and the kind of the, the the more comms end of the market and marketing. So it's, and, and, and the others, they're putting their paid social in with their Google kind of Google ads. So it's, it's there is a, a very massive shape the ideal for us is that you you always need somebody internally regardless to at least even if all they're doing is pulling all the all the right levers at the right time because it's really hard for an, an external person to do that but i'd say the biggest the bigger challenge beyond the team is getting uh, someone on leadership to buy into the idea that social actually has value what we see is no matter how big the team is if the leadership doesn't really care it kind of just slides off the radar and nothing actually moves so that would be my challenge in in terms of agency i can only really talk about ourselves um everybody is suffering from skill shortage in digital um one of the things that the agencies have to do that's probably possibly a bit different from uh from our clients is that we have to be experts in that field. We get, this is not a part-time job, this is a full-time social media job. And we, what you can't do is have somebody who just does everything in social anymore. When I started, that's all we had. So now there are people who have expertise in paid, expertise in insights, expertise in creative, copywriting, which is you know a challenge in its own self with all the, the limitations on characters, as well as specialisms in strategy. So hiring is a, a very organic because I mean, that, that, that we just, those unicorns are not out there. <laughs> just just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> so finding someone with a core skill set like copywriting and then bringing them on and teaching them and training about how everything else fits together is the, 
is probably the biggest task we do behind the scenes as an agency. Um, I've seen it work in-house well, but I've also seen most of the time that the social teams are kind of just left to, to do it their way. Uh, how do you see this, Nada? Because you'll, you'll have seen the team at IBM grow. Yeah. You'll see the different skills, the job adverts will have changed a lot over the past five years. Um, how, how do you see the, the sort of key skill? I mean, Katie mentioned the communication internally with senior leadership. It's kind yeah. of like an impossible role to, to try and get everything. Like, so what, how do you, how do you yeah. see this? I completely agree with the, the point about, you know, getting the business on board. And I think, you know, it's, it's easy to make progress as well when you've got the right backing. So I think our leadership team, you know, and the business need to see the value of social. They need to understand it. And I think need to understand our mission statement and the role of social. Um, and and therefore, I think communication skills are really important for us to have um, because we're constantly communicating. And I think Anita talks about this, like you, you, you can't ever over communicate. You know? So I think there'll, there'll be someone that hasn't heard or seen your vision or, or mission statement for social. Um, so I think that's really important. I also think um, with the limited resources, you know, that, that we have, um, you, you know, start small and then scale. So then that way you see the results and you're able to pitch it further and scale the campaigns. And, you know, I think if you, if you focus on your top evangelists and SMEs that are doing social well, you know, they'll inspire others as well and encourage others to, to get started. So I think focus on your kind of key evangelists and SMEs to begin with, rather than expect the whole organization to get social from an employee advocacy perspective. And then I think from an external influence perspective as well, it's, it's really about kind of doing your research and finding the right influencers that are the right fit for your brand and also that we're the right brand for them. Um, and so I think this is really important for an influencer campaign to kind of be successful, uh, really taking time up front doing that research. And I think get the help you need if, if you need to work with agencies or to get a, a tool to to support with that research. Um, I think that's really important to do up front. Um, but then also try and pick your advocates. So every brand has you know advocates and fans and, and how can we work with those people who are already passionate about your brand and company and have a lot to say and, and and want to kind of share the story in their own words and in their own way. So I really believe in like user generated content, user directed content. Um, and I think uh, that's an area for, for growth as well. But in terms right, of skills that. for us in social, I, I think people skills are really important as well because we spent, to Katie's point, we spent a lot of time communicating our vision and statement and strategy and and people is social is about people so it's about building relationships it's about conversations um so people skills are important communication skills i mentioned analytical skills we talked about as well so being data driven and for us all to look at the data and the performance um and just i mentioned this attention to detail and you know there's a lot it's a big list of skills i think i'd look for but i think it's because you know it's, it's such an important role and i think um we're involved in various you know, content creation and um, you, you've got to be curious and, and be innovative and, and get creative with experimenting and trying new things. So lots of different soft skills and technical skills that I'd look for. It's really interesting that we talk about needing to keep up to be with the algorithms, to be analytical, but then also to be a superb communicator. It's, it's <laughs> so, it's so, um, you know, it, it, it's so, um, um, uh, omnipotent social media strategies that you have to be 
a general you have to be good at so many different areas which is i think a, a really big challenge uh, I, I wanted to uh, end because I, I really enjoyed this discussion but it has to i have to wrap it up soon i wanted to end looking into the future uh, armand talked about web 3.0 um as we you know even though it's been a really hot summer it definitely has uh, it definitely has in england um uh we shouldn't necessarily look to Christmas and next year just yet, but it isn't too far away. So people are going to be writing their budgets in about kind of like 10 or 11 weeks you know, for 2023. What, what do you think is the is the area for investment in social media for 2023? Maybe come to you first, Katie. Uh, I'm going to be controversial because everybody wants to talk about Web3 and they want to talk about Metaverse and AR and everything else. But actually, for B2B brands, for much of it, the investment needs to be in creating great content. I mean, like, just follow IBM. <laughs> it's just, you know, great, solid, meaningful content that has value, not just another, here's a webinar, here's a thing, here's a thing but actually really good quality content. If, if, if that happened, it would make, it, first of all, it would make LinkedIn sing, which would be lovely because <laughs> it would look nice and we'd have interesting things to talk about. But there is so much value in sharing knowledge, sharing expertise, being thought leaders, having an opinion, all of these things. That investment is much better spent there getting the, the quality over the quantity would be my where I think the focus should be. I'd love to say we should go and do mm -hmm. something fun and, and mad and and everything else but actually we, we're not we're, I don't think as an industry b2b is quite there yet and, and, and Nada I imagine you would agree with Katie but there's also yeah. I imagine pressure internally about you know what is this next thing like you know how much money you're investing into TikTok you know video creation or or things yeah. like that are there discussions at the moment or, or what are your thoughts on on yeah. where you would look for investment yeah, no, I absolutely, I completely agree with with Katie, and um, and and thank you for the the really positive comments on IBM and and content and, and the strategy um there. So I, I think as well, just on content, I think we're moving more towards like more authentic, more real, like less filtered content, and um, you know, I think like with the growth of Be Real as a platform, where it just gives you two minutes to to capture what you're doing, and you know, no filter. Um, and you cannot see the other people's content until you've kind of done taking your, you know, your picture, your capture for the day. I think that just shows that we're, we are moving more towards that. Um, and so I think people want to engage with brands and people who are like them or who they can relate to. Um, and so I think, you know, moving kind of away from like the highly polished um, formal content to kind of just less formal um, more conversation, conversation, more authentic. Um, I also think like just users, user directed content, user generated content, um, the huge opportunities there. Um, and we talked about that today. Video, I think, isn't going away as well. So um, obviously with, with the rise and um, of TikTok and Instagram Reel and um, YouTube Shorts, um, I think we'll see more video content, like shorter, again, you know, less formal content being created. Um, and for us, yeah, we're absolutely experimenting on TikTok. So follow us on TikTok. We've got 20,000 followers and, um, you know, thinking of ways to, to create content that is relevant for each platform um, that we're on. 
Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll get to do more um, on there. Um, and then also like audio. So I heard um, through Twitter spaces as well, Twitter's ex ex exploring um, audio as well. So I think there's, there's potential there. Amazing. Well, I think that's a really good place to, to stop. There's all the social channels, yeah, ch uh, evolving their algorithms, creating new ways to create content. And um, and what's what's for sure is we need to create quality content. So that's come through very loud and strong from both of you. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you so much, Nard. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. And and uh, uh, Onletica will be back uh, in September, um, probably towards the end of September with another Onletica Experts uh, LinkedIn Lives. So follow us on hashtag Onletica Experts. Thank you again. And uh, see you all very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you.